already said good morning, everybody. How many of you are glad that you're in the house of the Lord? All right, you acted like you didn't know if you could clap or not clap. I said, how many of you are glad you're in the house of the Lord? All right, yeah. Can we do this right now? Could you just lift up your hands? That was good. <laughs> and just lift up your eyes to heaven and say, Heavenly Father, we know that you want to speak to us. We, right now, clear our minds and anything that will get in the way of hearing from you today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, it's so important that we realize that while we have this time as far as the proclamation of the word, it's not the only time or even the only the chief times in which we should expect the Lord to speak to us. I believe that a church will really become effective, that we will really become a church that's making an impression and influential in changing a culture when we realize that our time of gathering that we have here is absolutely essential because the word of God says to not stop doing it, but continue to do it all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. But he also talks about how important it is that we would understand how to live our Christianity out, our faith out between the times of gathering. And I'm expecting, I believe that God's word has given us a vision and a direction that speaks about what should be happening next for us. From the time in which we meet and we celebrate on one particular weekend, on one particular Sunday, to the next time that we come together. And that God would be doing something in between, in us and through us. And it is my suggestion and, and proposition to you today is that God will always do a whole lot more in people who are expecting for him to operate through. People who are intentional and will take a risk and we'll do something out of the ordinary. Not to draw attention to ourselves, but to where we can be able to say, Lord, I don't know how. I don't know even why, but I believe that somehow you can use me today. You can use me this week to bring attention to you and that somehow, some way, someone might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Someone might be inspired and encouraged and someone might be strengthened in their faith. I believe that our body we there ought to be a buzz there ought to be people just coming in and excited about what god has done in your week whenever we come together and you know we've we've, we've entered into this this series and and um go ahead if you put that up please called simplify and uh jen pointed out to me this week she says pastor she says i know they're supposed to simplify things but actually she says there's something wrong even with this particular um image here. Does anyone know what's wrong with that particular image? Some people do. Okay, you do, all right. It's not spelled wrong, all right. There's just too many squares there. I guess in, in Scrabble, you only have seven, not eight letters. Is that right? I don't know. Who, who knew that? <laughs> Some of you did, all right. So, but, you know, sometimes we can overcomplicate some things, and Jen wasn't overcomplicating it at all, all right. I mean, she was just bringing it to my attention. But the point is, is that you know, we get distracted and detoured many times, okay? We find ourselves challenged in some of the, the non-essentials, okay? Once again, I'm not speaking in reference to, to Jen. I'm just, how many times does God say to you, 
or speak to you about something he wants to do through you, and you look in the mirror and you say, you know what? I just don't have all of the, 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 the squares. I don't have all the letters. I'm not really put together the right way in order to be used in a particular form or fashion. We look in the mirror and we say, God, how can you use me? I want to share something with you today that God wants to use us all in, through simple steps. I mean, the, the title of this message is called Simpler Steps, all right? It, it's so important that we realize. And, and if you've been going along with us, and I, I hope, I want you to tell the truth, all right? But we're giving you a devotional, and I want you guys to be doing it. Is anybody doing it? Raise your hand if you're doing the, the weekly devotional. All right, not many. Wow. You guys all got your own devotionals that you're doing, right? That's okay, right? Okay, that's okay. That's all right. But and, and you had to declutter. You couldn't do this one because you were going to declutter your life. I get it, all right? I'm giving you all kinds of excuses. But in the event that you want to join us that are doing that, there's still time in this month to go ahead and to do this particular devotion uh, along with us. And we can all be praying about the same things in the Scripture verses and such. And um, it's just, a, just an awesome time to gather together. By the way, uh, at service, uh, when service gets done at 12 o'clock today at noon, there will be prayer once again here. We spoke last week about simple prayers, right? Pray simply and talked about the 21 second prayer, our Father, the, the Lord's Prayer, right? And uh, we had 21 people in our prayer thing after church. Wasn't that, uh, that was awesome. That was pretty cool. And uh, we couldn't orchestrate that, all right? But 21 seconds of 21 people to show up in prayer. And I love it to be 42, all right, that show up this week. But, hey, how many of us there? It's going to be great. We pray for one half hour from 12 to 1230, and it is going to be fantastic. So simpler steps is what we're talking about here today. And, you know, we've, we've gone through life, every single one of us, and we've experienced what it means to be overwhelmed, overscheduled, and exhausted. How many of you have got to the end of the day and just said, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overscheduled. If there's just only more hours in the day. And you know, the more you feel that stuff, there's another type of, a, a, of attribute or characteristic that you'll start to experience. And it's called this, confusion. Has anybody been so overwhelmed, so overscheduled, and so exhausted that you're confused? You didn't know whether you were coming or going? Come on, raise your hand if you can identify with that. Yep, yeah. Well, a university student was seen with a large K that was printed on his T-shirt. And someone came up to him and asked him what the K stood for. He said, confused. The questioner then replied, don't you spell confused with a K? And to which a student answered, you don't know how confused I am. I mean, there is all kinds of confusion that is happening in the world today. People are misrepresenting things, amen? Uh, they're, 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 there's, there's, there's false narratives of things that are spinning around. I mean, you have to go to this website called Snopes. How many of you know what Snopes is? Snopes.com, all right? And, and, and take a look because there's things that look really real on the Internet, and you have to take a look at it. You're like, no way, that's just too, that's just too crazy. And, and you look on it, and you find out, well, maybe it is true or maybe it's not. But, but we live in a time in which lots of people are experiencing confusion. I could talk to some people in their relationship, some young people, and I can ask a young man or a young lady, how's your dating relationship going? And they look, and they have this confusing kind of look on their face, and they say, well, I'm a little confused right now. Okay, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but how many of you have been married for a long time can say there's, there's going to be some more confusion that's going to come? 
All right, exactly. You're not ever going to get that down all the way, right? Someone's thinking about changing a vocation, and they might be asked, well, how is all of that going? And you might say, or someone may respond to you, well, I'm a little confused. I could do this, and this would be the result, or this would be the consequences, and, and, and these things would go back and forth. I want you to know that even when it comes to the gospel, even when it comes to the mission of the church, sometimes there's still confusion. Sometimes we're actually not sure why we're here. You're like, no, I know why I'm here, Pastor. It's Sunday. My alarm went off. I'm supposed to go to church on Sunday. Come on, some of you. you know, that, that's what we do, right? That's what I've done for just a few years now, right? <laughs> actually, my whole life. Over and over again, I got it. But you know what? That's not the only reason that we're here. I, I believe there's some, there's some confusion. If it's not in what we say, it can be in what we do or the attitude with which we do it. Because there's some people who will go through life and they will, what we say, go through the motions and not even know why they do it. Some of you heard about the, the granddaughter of who was preparing a meal one day and she was going to make a ham and so she was preparing the ham and she bought the ham and brought it home and and there had her her grandmother and her mother that was there uh in the room with her and and uh so she just slammed the ends of the ham off and and threw it in the pan well, the pan was plenty big enough to go ahead and hold the ham but the young girl asked mom why are you doing that why did you do that and she looked at her mother, who then looked at her mother, and said, isn't that the way that you always taught me to do it? With no reason why. And so the grandmother says, well, the only reason I did that is because my ham wouldn't fit in the pan. <laughs> so for years, something has been being passed on, and someone's been doing something over and over again, and they don't even know why they are doing it. I wonder if that type of thing sometimes happens in the body of Christ. I hope today that maybe there's some things I can say that will sh be shared with you that you will look at and you will have this response. And the response will be like, ah. Go ahead and just shake your head like that and go, ah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that point of agreement. And there might even be some points where you might go, ooh. Go ahead and wrinkle your lip like that and pull it back and go, ooh. <laughs> like, go, go, ah. Ah. Like the light came on, all right? Now go, ooh. Eeks. Yeah, you know, you see, there's a story of a man who runs a business, and whenever anything gets foggy in his organization, he pulls his organization and his people together, and he says, we're going to make this blindly clear. To which everyone thinks about it for a moment and says, all right, yes, that's really going to be clear if it's blindly clear. But how many of you know sometimes that that's the way that we feel about things? I really want to clear things up. I really want to make things straight. Well, you know, one of the things I want to make straight for us today is our mission, okay? And before we do that, I want to read a scripture for us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. All right, let's go ahead and read this passage together. For he himself is our peace. Let's read it together, right? Who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. 
Now, that's, that's shaking some people up right there who, who really rely upon the law. Really, you know, It says, he, all right, is abolishing in his flesh the law, or he is satisfying the requirements of it, all right? His purpose, say purpose, was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. How many of you realize that you're an enemy of God? You were an enemy of God. You, you did not know him. You, you, you didn't have really, he didn't create us that way, all right? We became that way, all right? But here is what God has done. He himself is our peace. He tried to reconcile us, all right? He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Say praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's an awesome privilege, right? That, 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 that this would happen, that it was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. All right, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I don't know if you understand how important you are to him. I don't know if you realize that God has gone all in. He's gone all in on you. He is counting on us. To be a place, a safe place, a representative place, a place that shows his characteristics. A place that will let his spirit shine through us where spirit will live and dwell in. For this reason, since all this is true, since that was the purpose, that's what Christ came to do, since he reconciled himself to us, and, and since his spirit now lives within us, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand how we're trying to take away confusion. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want you to be confused anymore. <laughs> all right, all right. And, and understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. hallelujah. That is the access that is the plan. That is the purpose that God has for us, all right? Now, here, based upon that, and, and you can go to many different churches all across America, and they'll have different mission statements or even vision statements, different things that they hope to get done. But, but everything has to come back to, all right, the mission that God has given to us in his word. And we see here what the plan was that God had for all of mankind and for Paul to be the administrator of the mystery, the making known of those things, all right? And so we too, as the containers or the vessels of the Holy Spirit, have been given the same type of task. So here at Central, our mission, Central Assembly, exists to lead people into an authentic, say authentic. authentic. Now why would that be important? Because there are some things that just aren't real that people claim to have today, amen? 
that he says that, that we exist to lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. There used to be a day and a time in which we used to say, well, are you born again? Someone say, are you saved? And lots of people say, I'm saved. Are you a Christian? Lots of people say, I'm a Christian. And then they would ask the question, are you born again? And it meant something a little bit different than just somebody who knew about God. And now there's a lot of people claiming to know about God and actually even to be born again but still don't have a clue about what it is. They're still confused. And I believe that it's really important that we go back to authenticity, the authentic, life-changing relationship and influence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, and we want to lead people. We want to lead other people. I, 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 we got this vision and this picture of, of people helping people come into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because until that happens, this world is going to continue to just, just trot along and not make any type of difference and impact at all. I've got to just, I, I, I want you to understand something. God has a desire to take those individuals who are not yet Christians that I call pre-Christians. And, and he wants to take the most negative of people. He wants to take the most anti-God people. And he wants to explain to them this gift that he's made available to them. And he wants to say, doesn't this make sense to you? And when it doesn't make sense to you, how about you just let my spirit come in and convince you of the love that I have. And the Apostle Paul said, guess what? I'm going to be an administrator of this gift. Not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. I'm going to go in those places. Now, somebody be truthful with me today and said, you were about as anti-God as you could have ever thought that there would have been a people. Someone raise your hand and say, yeah, I was bad. I was, I was anti-God. Anyone in here today like that? Come on, raise your hand and say, I just didn't want. There was, maybe there was, okay, put your hands on. Maybe there was something that took place in your life. You weren't anti-God. And then some events took place in your life, some things that were tragic, that were horrific. And all of a sudden, you wondered where God was at. Come on, raise your hand if that was you, all right? A little bit more common denominator there. How many of you felt like, you know what? I am just such a miserable sinner. I wasn't anti-God. I knew what I should do, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I really love sin more than I love God. Can you say, I was at that place? Can anybody raise your hand in this place like that? Yeah, a lot of us, right? Well, here's the deal. Sadly, many churches are traveling down a path, and the path that they are traveling is that sometimes they are not so much caring about the growing up process, about the walking up process that is necessary for a person to get to a place to where they're in right relationship with God, but they're more concerned with just having people just doing everything together. There was a period in time where, guess what, the, 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 the church took on, and it's important. Listen, it is so important, I'm going to speak about it in just a couple minutes, uh, that we would become involved in the interactions of the things in this world so we can make a difference. But it isn't just to feed people that we are in, on this earth today. It isn't just to stop somebody from making mistakes. It isn't to come up with a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. But we're to be what the Apostle Paul understood he was to be. And we're to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ so that something can happen in somebody's life and, and they can be totally changed. Life change. James says, you think that you have faith, but you don't have works. Your faith is really dead. Show me 
your faith without works. And he says, I'll show you works by faith. All right. He says, listen, I want you to understand that what God has given to us is a New Testament mandate. There's all kinds of irreligious pre-Christian people out there who are waiting for somebody to come to them with something relevant. Like, oh, relevant? You mean I got to become like them? Well, Apostle Paul did say something like that. I'll do whatever I need to do, become all things to all men, so I'm able to win some. But we're not talking about compromise. But we're talking about instead that you would understand when someone says they're hungry, the word of God puts it this way. Don't pat them on the back and say, that's good, I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you and then move on. We're to become agents. We're to become agents of transformation, agents of influence. So what does it take for us to become fully devoted followers of Christ? What does it look like? How is it that that we can really move through the motions and living in the day in which we live and make a difference in other people's lives around us? I'm glad you asked. Some people think it's a particular alignment with a, a political party. Get in line with this particular party, then guess what? Everything's going to be okay. Some people think it's if you sing a ter- certain types of songs, then guess what? It's going to be okay. Some people think if you go to a certain type of church, then guess what? It's going to be okay. Some people think, you know, if, if I can get financially set, guess what? It's going to be okay. If I can have and drive a certain car, if I can live in a certain house, no matter what it is, if I can get all these things in line, then, then certainly I'll have the blessings of God in my life, and everyone will look and they'll say, I'm doing it right. How many of you know the only ones who are doing it right are the ones who are doing it God's way and are denying themselves and saying it's not for me. It's not to bring attention to me. It's to bring attention to him. There's a story told of a husband and a wife, both of who were doctors. One was a doctor of theology and the other was a doctor of medicine. Often the doorbell would ring and the maid would answer and The person would ask, is the doctor in? To which the maid would say, do you want the one who preaches or the one who practices? (laughs) Just just go, go, ah, or ooh. Now we, we say all kinds of things about those doctors who practice medicine, right? But I do believe that God wants us to be people who will practice relationship who put it into practice, who, who don't just talk about it and tell other people. Now, there's, there's some five things over the course of the next two weeks that I'm going to talk about just pertaining to this particular subject matter of simpler steps, all right? And they're, all of them are going to begin with the letter G, all right? And, and the first step, I think that we need to figure out and we need to, uh, to understand when it comes to living a life in relationship, a life-changing, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, is we need to understand some characteristics. And one of the characteristics that we've got to address is one that is the most basic of basics, but most often uh, misapplied or misused. And it is a subject matter of grace. Five identifying characteristics of an authentic, life-changing Jesus follower is grace. You've heard the different acronyms, God's riches at Christ's expense. 
you've understood and you, you, you've understood that, that grace is also a gift. It's given to you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. I'm thankful for that, all right? But when it comes to grace and how we have this relationship with the Lord, it's hard to get our minds around us not having to do some things. And I've asked someone to help me out, all right? Les, where you at? Come on up here, please. <laughs> you see, I've got a ladder over here. And this ladder's got all kinds of steps. And Les is going to get elevated to a position to which, well, we may not achieve for it, but go ahead and go, get up there if you would, please, there, Les. Had to get a, a builder, all right, someone who wasn't afraid to, to climb some, some heights, all right, and sit up there. There we go. All right, there we go. Yeah, give him a hand there. Yeah, okay. For illustration purposes only, I present to you God. All right, we're not bowing down, not doing anything. This is illustration purposes, all right? I pre- the thing is, is that with grace... Or the confusion when it comes to grace is that no matter how long you have been a participant or recipient of grace that's come to you, there's always going to be this inkling within you to try to to make a full-out effort to be a better person. Now, that's not bad in and of itself, but we somehow move down the path and think that our actions are what make us better. And we, we won't say that, but we will live like that in our attitudes. And something will begin to happen, and we will, with everything within us, try climbing up and over and over and over again. And it gets a little shaky up there. God's not nervous, all right? <laughs> and, and we just think, I got to get up to God. I got to get up to God. It's just so hard. And it's such a struggle. And by the way, I'm scared of heights, some might say. And over and over again, we do whatever we need to do to to try to put ourselves into right relationship when we don't realize there's actually, it flows the other way. Someone get this. It flows the other way. It isn't if I could climb up to God, but it's that God has reached down to me. That I, that I am at the spot and I can't pull myself up, but he comes down to me. And he pulls me into that right relationship. Go back up there for a minute, God, if you would, please. Why is this so important? It's so important because the problem starts to take place that that when we forget about grace that we have received and what it took for us to come into relationship with him, we get confused because we know we should act better, but guess what? We're not acting better. And we're like, is it real? Is it really real? Is it, is it going on? Go ahead and flick that for me if it won't click. There we go. Titus chapter 3 says this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. 
why is it important for us to get this? Because it's so because if we don't get this, we are going to constantly be striving, constantly beating ourselves over the head, constantly feeling like we're never going to be enough, constantly feeling like we don't have a reason or access into the throne room in which he said, guess what? It isn't about what you accomplish, it's about what do I accomplish. I tore that curtain down. I made access for you to come into the Holy of Holies. He said, listen, it's important that you realize this. You can't strive. You can't struggle. You can't sacrifice. You can't achieve the highest level. You can walk up that ladder all day long, but your righteousness is like filthy rags. People go away. They fast. We're going to fast at the beginning of the year. Set your hearts on it right now. Nothing wrong with that, all right? But we're not doing it to, to gain favor in the sight of the Lord. We're doing it to demonstrate that our flesh, my stomach, isn't my God. I'll deny myself, amen, in order to follow after him. Look at this next verse. Whom he poured out on us generously through Christ, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Did you see what happens here? Why is it? He gives the reason. I want to take away the confusion. So that by this, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Oh, it's so important that you understand this. Why is it so important that you understand this? Because until you understand this, you cannot get to the place to where you can show it to other people. And we forget our mission. We forget our purpose. I want you to understand something. Exodus chapter 33, verse 14 says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. How does his presence go with us? Well, he says, as Apostle Paul administrated the gift of mercy in our lives, the gift of the, the mystery of the gospel, he says, the presence of God comes and lives within us, giving us access to God. And God's waiting on a regular basis for us to draw near to him, and he will draw near to us. And we can only go so far. The, 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 the farthest place that we can go is with intention. Realization of what a wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked, and, and blind person that I am. Look at this. There's some proofs of us being wrecked by grace. Some of us need to know that there's some things that need to happen in our lives that are evident to all that grace has come to our doorstep that's permeating through us. And one of those things are is if you've been wrecked by grace, eventually you become a more gracious person. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to, to, to think, take the least likely of individuals and candidates and see what happens to them. Like, man, I just don't know if that person's ever going to turn their heart over God. I don't know if they could ever be changed. I mean, if God could save that person, he could save anyone. Well, guess what? When you get wrecked by grace, you're thinking, you're faulty, confusing thinking. You become more gracious to other people. And you will be able to achieve the purposes for what God has sent you here. 
Second thing is this. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, 2, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Look at those things, those, those characteristics. And be patient, bearing one another in love. Here's the next thing. Another proof of you being wrecked by grace is if you've been wrecked by grace, you quite simply want everybody you know to be wrecked by it too. You yourself become more gracious because of your interaction with God, because of him coming down and reaching you, and you're just like, oh my goodness, I didn't deserve this. I couldn't climb. I couldn't get there. I kept falling down over and over. Fear kept overtaking me. But the perfect love of a loving God drove out all my fear. How many of you have experienced that? then shouldn't we be a lot more gracious ourselves? Go ahead and come on down, God, if you would, please. Give him a hand. Thank you so much. Praise him if you come, please. How important it is that we realize that we ourselves need to become much, much more gracious, that we ourselves need to help and want everybody else to be wrecked by the grace as well. Listen, why is it that Amazing Grace is a song that's recognized wherever ever, anybody goes and over and over again, and, and it's been years upon years, and, and you can even go into bars and you can begin to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And all of a sudden, there will resonate within somebody the realization that, guess what? They need that grace to be made evident in their life. And the Lord can, even in that spot and in that state, reach and touch and move within those individuals. But he moves, and, and let me say, and he moves when the people of God will be wrecked by the grace themselves. When they'll say, 